Today on the Matt Wall Show, pro-abortion zealots have been threatening me and my family and wishing rape and death on my children for the past two days. I want to talk about that and explore why the defense of the unborn would provoke such a satanic reaction. Um, also, Tucker Carlson is accused of saying that it's honorable to force rape victims to have babies. The only problem is that he didn't say that at all. Uh, why is it the pro-abortion people are so willing to openly and blatantly lie? And finally, is it true that pro-lifers don't care about born people or callous and, uh, and uncaring? Well, well, we'll try to put that claim to rest today on The Matt Walsh Show. Okay, so I mentioned this briefly yesterday. I want to spend a little bit more time on it. And what I'm going to share with you here, I want you to understand, is not unique. It's not an aberration. And that's really the reason why uh, I, I'm, I'm sharing it. Uh, because I want you to know that this is what it's like when you engage on these issues. Over the last 24 hours or so, pro-abortion people have been sending me messages threatening to kill me, uh, rape my wife, rape my children, my five-year-old daughter. They've wished death on me and my children. They've wished rape on my daughter, on my wife, on myself. And I'm talking here about just the explicitly violent messages. Now, if we wanted to get into the standard kind of vile, vicious insults and that sort of thing. Well, I've got hundreds of those, of course, but putting those to the side, par for the course as those are, unfortunately, they shouldn't be, but they are. What I want to focus on are, as I said, the violent messages, either threats of or wishes of violence against me or my family because of my pro-life views. Specifically, what has uh, provoked, it seems, some of these responses is that I have expressed my view that abortion should be illegal in every case, including rape. And I have explained why I feel that way. I'm not going to get into the whole explanation now. I've been doing that all week. You can read what I've written about it. I have explained in detail why I believe that, that abortion should be illegal in every case, including rape. And just to summarize in one sentence, it comes down to the fact that, in my view, the unborn child is a person and as such is deserving of all the same rights as any other person, of all the same basic human rights. And as such, uh, it's not okay to kill them for any reason. Um, it is, another way of putting it is, it is, in my view, never acceptable to kill an innocent and defenseless person intentionally. Never acceptable. Um, and the manner of their conception is not an exception to that rule. It can't be. Okay, so that's, that's my view. In order to show their deep abiding concern for rape victims, um, these people, however, have been expressing their wish that I become one myself, a rape victim, or that my children become rape victims. So you can go to my Twitter right now, and, and the pinned tweet has a thread with a bunch of the screenshots of these threats. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and read the worst ones to you. Like I said, I've gotten hundreds of messages. I couldn't possibly read them all. I don't possibly have the energy to read them all. So I can't even tell you if these are actually the worst ones. These are just the worst of the ones I've seen. And um, so, I'm gonna, like I said, read some. And, and uh, I'm going to read some of these partially. I'm not going to read some of these go into great detail. I won't read all the details. I don't think we necessarily need context for, for, for this sort of stuff. So, um one person says, I'll rape your daughter and your wife. Then you tell me what you want to do. You piece of S, so on and so forth. Um, Jake Fahey messages and says, wish I could punch your dumbass face 
you effing mook, I wish rape upon every female in your family. So they are forced to have the child. Um, someone else says, come to Reading and I'll spin your jaw, you sex offender. Uh, someone else says, you are the best reason for abortion I've ever encountered. It's a crime that your mother failed to exercise her right, and you now breathe the free air. One can only hope that by some happening, that error in judgment is remedied. This is not a threat, but a hope, a wish that you and all you who, who think as you do are permanently silenced. Andrew Stern at The Real Drewski says, you're an effing piece of S. I hope I meet you one day and get to show your face how I feel. Ali at Ali16Williams says, hope your daughter gets raped. Um, at PeyGhost says, absolute effing idiot. Uh, don't reproduce. Abort all three of your already born children. Joey Nichols says, well, you are the exact reason there should be abortion. Clearly your parents were not ready to have you and raise you to be an ignorant clown. Feel, fr- feel bad for your kids. They are going to turn out like scum, just like their dad. Uh, at CBVRNS says, you are an effing retard. Wish your mom aborted you. Um, I hope your daughters have millions of abortions. Someone else emails, email this to me anonymously. I hope your wife and daughter are both brutally raped. Someone else says, you should jump off a bridge and save the world a little bit of oxygen. You don't deserve to walk the planet, you piece of S. Someone else says, kill yourself. There's a lot of kill yourself messages. I won't even read all of them. Uh, someone else says, kill yourself, dude. Really, your family would be better off without you. Someone else, at Fox Drop M. This is at Fox Drop E-M-O-F-F underscore. Says, your mother should have aborted you. Someone else says, um, I'll have you clapped, mate. I think that's British for have you shot. Another message, uh, come to Reading, you're getting slashed. Then other violent threats from there. Um, At Lola the Bong from San Francisco, couldn't be any more stereotypical there, says, you're an effing idiot. I hope you get raped. Um, And so, as I said, those are just some of the lowlights from what I read. Now, first of all, uh, some of these people sent me these messages with their real names and pictures attached. The guy who threatened to rape my wife and children, his name is Tyler Nowicki or Novicki. I don't know how you pronounce it. N-O-W-I-C-K-I. Um, I, I have his picture up on my page. You can go, I, I, I would really recommend that you go look at his picture because this man is, uh, is, is, shouldn't be allowed around a lot. This is, this is obviously a dangerous, sick person who shouldn't be allowed around children. And um, the reason why, and you know, fortunately I published his name and his picture and I got thousands of retweets. I want his friends and family and his employer, if he has one, to know that this is the kind of person that he is. Um, the guy who wished, wished rape on every female fam- member of my family is named Jeff Fahey, as I mentioned. His picture and Twitter handle is up on my page as well. Now, the thing is, these guys... Uh, they, 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 I don't think they realize this. They realize it now. They're starting to realize it. But these guys have really screwed up their lives. Um, it's just not smart. I mean, it's evil, first of all, and disgusting. But also very profoundly stupid to send this kind of crap to a guy with 200,000 Twitter followers, 700,000 plus Facebook followers, uh, not to mention a podcast and a daily column on one of the most widely read conservative sites in the world. 
because I will be writing about this later today and once again linking to their pictures and faces and, and, uh, and information. Um, so now your name and your face and the atrocious, disgusting thing that you said will be plastered everywhere forever. And, and any future employer will find it when they Google you. So that's, that's the problem, Taylor Nowicki and Jeff Fahey, is that forever now, whenever someone Googles you, they're going to find that you threatened to rape a child or wished rape on a child. Uh, it, this is really a life-altering decision that you guys have made. And you deserve that consequence. You absolutely deserve it. As I said yesterday, it, 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 when, when you say stuff like that, it's not going to remain private. I will, I'm not going to respect your privacy and say, oh, well, they wanted that to remain between us. No, you see, I, I've got, I, I, it's the thing, when you have a platform, maybe you don't understand this because you don't, but I do. So I'm going to share this with everyone. And now they're all going to know that this is the kind of thing that you say to people. And people need to know. Uh, I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want you around. I, well, I certainly want, want, wouldn't want you around my own children, considering what you've said. But I wouldn't, if I was some other person, I wouldn't want you around my children either, given that this is the way you speak. And so now everyone's going to know that. Um, threatening or wishing rape on a child. Look, there's, there are some lines you just don't cross. And, uh, and, and I have... I, I think I, I have a, a lot of tolerance for, you know, as I said, I get vile, disgusting messages all the time, and I just ignore them. I don't respond. I don't publish it. I don't try to embarrass anyone. Um, but when you threaten or wish rape on my children, you have gone way, way, way over the line. Like, that's not the line, okay? The line is way back over there. That's way over the line. Um. And so when you do that, you cause serious problems for yourself. And those problems are not going to go away anytime soon. You don't say this stuff about my family. I'm not going to tolerate it. I'm going to protect them. And not just protect them physically, but I'm going to protect their honor, which includes punishing you for what you've said about them. Uh, and that's the way this goes, boys. It's just that's the way it goes. You're going to learn a valuable lesson, and um, you're going to learn it the hard way. Now, you may remember when Ilhan Omar was getting death threats, um, and she said she said she was getting death threats, and you know I, I believe that she was. We were told by the media that criticism of Omar was putting her life in, in, at risk, putting her life in jeopardy. We shouldn't criticize her because it it it, it you know it's, it it puts her at risk and it encourages this kind of thing. Well, I wonder, will the left show a similar concern for the lives of my children and my wife and myself? Of course, unlike Omar, I would never actually suggest that criticism of me puts my life at risk. Okay, I don't think that. You can criticize me all you want. In fact, you can say whatever you want about me. When you, when you, when you get into threats, that's different. But you can say whatever you want about me. The problem is when, as I said, you get into threats or you bring my family into it. That's when you've, that's when you're going to, that's when there's going to be problems. But whatever you want about me, you can say. But if we're talking about irresponsible rhetoric, which may encourage um, deranged and sick and disgusting people to say these kinds of things, um, well, what about all the leftists who have been lying and accusing me of defending rape or being pro-rape simply because I don't think babies conceived in rape should be, should be executed? 
Um, I mean, Tom Arnold, just as one example, Tom Arnold uh, sent a, a tweet implying that I actually am a rapist. That's what Tom Arnold said. Tom's got Tom Arnold, for whatever reason, has a lot of followers. And for, for, what, for reasons that escape me, people listen to what this guy has to say. He sent a tweet implying that I'm a rapist. And then he defended that tweet by claiming that I, that I write, that he, as he says, I write a lot of pro-rape content. Now, that's a lie, of course. But is that not irresponsible rhetoric? Is that not inflammatory? I mean, if someone can be blamed for the death threat sent to Ilhan Omar because they criticized her, can I blame Tom Arnold for the threats that are coming to my family? For, for calling me a rapist? I, I just, I can't take the hypocrisy. And I especially can't take the way the pro-abortion side dresses itself up as loving and tolerant and accepting and so, and so on, so concerned for women and children. I know that is not the case. I know it, first of all, because they advocate the murder of children. So that's a pretty, that's a, that's a giveaway right there. But second of all, I know it because of my own experience with them. I've had a lot of experience with these people. I see the kinds of things they say when they think no one is watching. And even sometimes when they know people are watching. I've seen it for myself. And this is not just my experience, like I said. Talk to any pro-lifer in the movement. Talk to women especially. Think about what, think about what some, of these, some of these scumbag men might have said to me if I was a woman. I mean, think about the things they're saying to me as a man. But imagine if I was a woman and they were directing this kind of scorn at me. That's the dirty little secret. That it's only, And it's only a secret because the media keeps it a secret. But the pro-abortion side will not respect any boundary. It will not adhere to any ethical code at all. If you attack their cherished institution of baby murder, if you desecrate the altar upon which they worship, the altar that happens to be soaked in the blood of 60 million dead children, um, this is what they do. And I wanted you to see that, which is why I share this with you today. By the way, I could also, if I had the time and energy compile a separate list of the tweets from, from other leftists essentially agreeing with the threats and, and telling me that I deserve them because of my pro-life position. There are many, many, many in that vein. And if you go, you can read them for yourself. You go on Twitter. I just, I'm not going to put them all together. I don't have time for that. Uh, but there are people saying, literally, you deserve this. You deserve for people to, to wish rape on your children because you disagree with abortion. It's... Um, you know, one other thing about this. Some people have said, hey, it's just the Internet. You know, don't make a big deal about it. This is just how people act on the Internet. It happens to me all the time. First of all, unless you have a large platform and you engage on controversial issues like abortion. Now, if you do and you say this happens to you sometimes or frequently, I believe you. But if you don't, I, I don't believe you. It definitely does not happen to you all the time. I had some people with 14 followers. Oh, that happens to me all the time. No, it doesn't. It has probably never happened to you. Um, I used the internet for a long time before I had a platform, and the worst I ever got were some salty Facebook comments, usually from people I knew, uh, you know, just, just telling me they disagree in vulgar ways or whatever. But strangers across the country wishing death and rape on me and my family? Uh, no, I never experienced that. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't think that some of the people saying they've experienced it really have. And the, and the people say, oh, it happens to me all the time. Yeah, no, it probably doesn't. Unless, again, you have a large platform and you regularly engage on these kinds of issues. Um, but, but se secondly, 
if this is normal, it shouldn't be. And the fact that it's the internet is irrelevant. Since when did it become acceptable and not a big deal to wish rape on children just because you disagree with someone's opinion? Yeah, it's on, it's on the internet. Oh, it's just on the internet. Well, it's not the internet isn't saying this. Okay, this is not some kind of algorithmic code that's coming up with this. These are people. These are actual living people. Now, they may be people who act more like lizards or snakes, but they are people, actual live human beings. So no, it's not the internet. It's people. Uh, these are people using the internet. The internet is just a communication tool. So there is no moral difference between saying something through the internet and saying it to someone's face. In fact, saying it to someone's face is, is um, you may say, arguably, is, is, is not as bad as saying it on the internet. I would argue that whatever horrible thing you have said on the internet, um, and we've all said things on the internet we regret, although hopefully not anything quite as bad as what I just read to you, but we've all lost our temper and, and, and said things that we regret, type things. I mean, the, the internet does uh, tend to uh, encourage that kind of communication. But uh, whatever horrible thing you have said on the internet is worse on the internet than it would have been had you said it in person. Not better, worse. Because, because when, when you say it on the internet, it has this extra um, element of cowardice to it. Because at least if you say it to someone's face, you're not as much of a coward. If you only say horrible things on the internet, that means that you're, you're not only a horrible person, but you're also a, a weak, pathetic coward. If you say horrible things to people's face, well, then you're a horrible person, yes, but at least you're less of a wimp about it. I mean, if you're going to walk up to someone's face and say something like that to them and give them the chance to uh, respond in whatever manner they deem appropriate, well, then at least you're not hiding behind a keyboard. I think people make these excuses. Well, it's just the internet. I think the people that say that, it's because they know that they themselves, when protected by the cloak of anonymity that the internet provides them, will often spew the most vile and vicious and disgusting rhetoric imaginable. And they know that about themselves. They know the kinds of comments they leave under YouTube videos and that sort of thing. And the sort of stuff they say on their anonymous Twitter accounts where they don't even have a picture of themselves or their real name, but they're tough guys with their opinions on their anonymous Twitter accounts. They know the kind of stuff they say, and uh, they don't want to think that their behavior online is a reflection of their character. Well, it is. Whatever you say with your anonymous Twitter account, that's you. That's you being a bad person. That is you being a sick, disgusting, bad, cowardly uh, scumbag. That's what that is. That's who you are. If you're a bad person all the time online, you're just a bad, you're a bad person. That's who you are. That's your character. And on top of it, as I said, you're a coward as well. If you can, if you, if you're comfortable with that, if you could say, yes, I'm a bad person and a coward. I mean, if you can embrace that about yourself, well then, uh, go ahead. But I don't think most people can. I mean, it's just, it's hard to go through your life on a day-to-day -day basis, look in the mirror, get up and, you know, move about your day knowing that about yourself. So you want to pretend that you're not, but you are.
All right. Speaking of um, stooping to the lowest lows and having no ethical constraints at all, Tucker Carlson has been accused of has been accused of saying that it's honorable and necessary to force rape victims to have babies. That's what he's accused of saying. It's honorable and necessary to force rape victims to have babies. Um, here's a tweet from a Media Matters goon. And uh, as you can see, the, the, the caption says, Tucker Carlson says it's honorable and necessary to force women to give birth after being impregnated by their rapists. Um, and because of this tweet and others like it, people making this accusation, Carlson is beginning a lot of backlash for this. But let's click the video provided in that tweet and see what it actually says. So look at this. So this is the modern democratic orthodoxy. If you love women, you'll encourage them to kill their own offspring. If you acknowledge that children are sacred, that being a parent is honorable and necessary and maybe even more meaningful than a trip to Ibiza this summer, then you, sir, are an oppressor. Oh, okay. So he says that parenthood is honorable and necessary. He doesn't say that forcing rape victims to have babies is honorable and necessary. He's speaking generally and saying parenthood is honorable and necessary. Is anyone going to disagree with that? Well, no. See, the thing is, they know they can't disagree with that. So instead, they make up something else that he said that he didn't really say. They, 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 just, they make up another comment for him to have made so that they can disagree with that. Because they know what he actually said is totally true. Parenthood is an honorable and necessary thing. Um, it's just, again, how do you... How do you get up and look in the mirror uh, knowing that you're such a dishonest person? Like, I, I just I don't get how people can blatantly lie and then still live with themselves. And that's what you find on the pro-abortion side, unfortunately, is this just blatant dishonesty. And it comes from an ends justify the means uh, mentality. It, it's when you're a moral relativist and you believe that there is no objective right, objective wrong, objective good or evil, then you say, well, whatever, whatever a result I want to bring about, I can do anything to bring about that result. And, and if my strategy is successful in bringing about the result that I want, then it was a good strategy. And, and that's why it's so important for us as conservatives to repudiate the ends justify the means mentality. It's one of the reasons why I am always so disturbed when I see that kind of philosophy cropping up on the right as it does sometimes, um, because that is exactly the way of thinking, the worldview, the philosophy that we are rejecting and fighting against and defending against. Um, okay, let's do something a little bit more, uh, a little bit more lighthearted, a little bit more encouraging, I guess. It's been a lot of dark, we have a dark time on uh, on the show, uh, as it so often is, unfortunately. Well, this is. Uh, it's going to the Daily Wire now. You know, one of the, if you could even call it an argument, but one of the things that you hear from pro-abortion people all the time uh, is, and I've addressed it uh, on plenty of occasions in the past, is this whole thing about, well, you're only pro-birth. You don't care about, you don't care about women. You don't care about babies after they're born. All you care about is babies in the womb, which obviously is such an unbelievably ludicrous thing to say. Uh, I mean, the only, why do you think we care about babies in the womb? We care about babies in the womb because we care about people. We think that they are people, which they are. And because they are people, we care about them. So what should that tell you? It, it tells you we care about people. 
our whole argument is that this is a person, therefore we should care for them. What does that mean? It means we care for people. So to say that, yes, now as pro-lifers, we are especially focused on the unborn, not exclusively focused on them, but especially focused on them. Uh, but that's because the unborn happen to be especially um, victimized and especially vulnerable. And I would even say, from a legal standpoint, exclusively victimized. They are the only group of people left in America who are not treated as people, who are not given personhood rights. So that's why we focus on them. There are people out there who take a special interest in caring for the elderly, which is great. There are people who take a special interest in caring for the sick and the infirm, for the disabled. Would you ever say to someone working at a nursing home that, oh, you only care about old people. Yeah, you don't care about young people at all. You only care about them once they, once they reach 75. You don't care about them after that. It would be such a, such a stupid thing to say. Just because I am focused on loving the, this group of people who I think are vulnerable and in need of this kind of attention doesn't mean I don't care about other people. Someone who cares especially about the elderly, what does that tell you about that person? It tells you that is someone who cares about people. Um, it just, it wouldn't make any sense. For, I don't even know how a person could develop that in their mind uh, to develop a, a, an exclusive concern only for this one group of people at a certain age of development and, and not for anyone else. It's just how you couldn't even do that. Except maybe for pro-aborts who only care about born people and, and, and have ruled out unborn people altogether. So I guess they've pulled it out off. Um, although for many of them, I don't know how much they really care about born people either. Now, uh, okay, so th this is the point, if you could say, that was made by someone on uh, Twitter, Sarah Tuttle Singer. She's an Israel Times blogger. She said a couple days ago, Dear pro-life friends, what have you personally done to support lower... Uh, Lower income single mothers. I'll wait. And she obviously, now this is supposed to be flippant and sarcastic. She, she expected that nobody would give any examples. You see, when this comes up and, and, uh, and a pro-abortion person says, oh, you don't do anything for born people. Well, pro-lifers do things for people. All the Pro-lifers are very charitable. They're always helping women and children. And they're very charitable and generous people. But... They also don't feel comfortable bragging about their charitable endeavors. We also know that we're told not to do that in the gospel, um, and many of us are Christians, so we don't want to do it for that reason. And I think that's one of the reasons why pro-abortions people get, get away with this claim, is that they say, oh, you don't do anything, and then, and then pro-lifers are not going to line up and say, oh, yeah, this is what I do. But I think sometimes we do need to step up and say, look, that's not true. Here's what I do for other people. And it's because we're not bragging about ourselves. We're not trying to put ourselves on a pedestal. What we're doing is we're trying to defend this movement, this very important movement. And so it might be, in that context, important to talk about the charitable things that we do. And so a lot of people stepped up and they answered this person's question. Um, and so just some examples that Daily Wire compiles here of uh, people talking about the things they do for, for, for the born. Um, so some example says, I, I've spent the last 15 years serving breakfast once a month at a homeless shelter and making lunches for the same shelter once a month on a separate weekend. Someone else says, I'm the president of the board of directors for our local domestic violence shelter. Someone else says, donated to crisis pregnancy centers, volunteer for the Sisters of Life, offered to meet with anyone in a crisis pregnancy to talk about arranging to adopt their baby. Um, applying for an open adoption, take care of a child whose mother doesn't think she can raise the baby and to keep mother and child in each other's lives. Someone else says, we adopted our two boys after we already had two girls. Someone else says, they're foster parents. Someone else says, adopted one 
and took in three fosters who are now staying permanently in addition to my six natural children. There's a lot of that. I mean, pro-life people adopt all the time. So that's the other stupid thing. Well, I don't see you out adopting kids. What are you talking about? Pro-lifers, go to a pro-life event and you're going to find so many adoptive families, so many adopted children. They adopt kids all the time. Of course they do. They love children. That's the point that we're making. Um, I remember one of the most inspiring, though, ultimately uh, sad things that from my you know, experience doing, doing all this, I remember a few years ago, there was a woman who wrote an article, maybe it was a Reddit post or something, I don't remember, but talking about how she was going to get an abortion. And she, was, she wrote this sort of goodbye letter to her unborn child who she was about to kill. And um, so I wrote something responding to that woman and just pleading with her not to kill her child and doing my best to convince her not to. Uh, I, I, I don't, we never, I never heard from her. I don't know what ended up happening with that. Um, I don't know if she got the abortion or not. seems like it's a good chance she did. But the inspiring thing was that I remember when I posted that, uh, my, my response, there were so many on Facebook, there were all of these people, my readers, uh, I mean, hundreds of them who, who were uh, coming out of the woodwork to say, I will adopt this woman's child volunteering to adopt the child and being completely serious about it. A lot of them had said, you know, I've already been through the process to get it qualified for adoption. You know, these were people that sounded knowledgeable. They were they, 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 people talking about the, the way that they're already prepared, you know, how they already have their house set up and they've got a room ready. And um, so these were, these were not just people saying it to make themselves look good. No, there were all of these people saying, I will adopt this woman's child. I'll adopt him right now, this moment. I'm ready. Again, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if that woman took anyone up on that. I don't think she did. But, yeah, any woman who, doesn't, who is in a, in, a, in a crisis pregnancy and doesn't feel like they can care for the child, um, there are going to be pro-lifers lined up around the block to adopt that baby. No, there is, there is no unwanted baby in America. It doesn't exist. There is no such thing as an unwanted baby. There are so many families who would love to adopt that child and would adopt that child. The only thing that needs to happen is that the child needs to not be killed first. Um, so, yeah, I mean, pro-lifers, I, you know, I, and I, I mean, in, in our, in, I know for, for me and my family, we, we give to pregnancy centers, we give to sidewalk advocates, we give to, um, we give to uh, charities for the poor, um, we try to give as much as we can to just the homeless and the impoverished in our own community. I remember just around Christmas, there was a woman who uh, was about to be kicked out of her apartment with her kids. And so we gave her money so she could stay in the apartment. Um, and, you know, this, this, this is the kind of thing that pro-lifers do all the time. Um, because it's not only because we love people, but also because we feel morally obligated to help the less fortunate. All right. Um, so let's go to emails, mattwallshow at gmail.com, mattwallshow at gmail.com. This is from Paul, says, I believe we already have a, an issue of women falsely claiming rape. I don't think that's debatable. If we gave the concession to rape as an exception, the concession, we gave it a concession, it was awkwardly worded, um, 
if, if, if there were rape exceptions for abortion, do you not think that would exacerbate the problem uh, of false rape claims? If all a woman has to do is claim rape and she can get rid of her, her quote, problem, then I believe we would certainly see that, that abused. Uh, yeah, Paul, um, that is an issue. It, it, it's by far not the main reason to be opposed to rape exceptions. Um, it's not even the second or third or fourth or fifth reason. Uh, because all of those reasons are the same reason, and that is, as I've been talking about, that an unborn child is a human being, is a person, and all people have inherent human rights, and it is not okay to kill an innocent and defenseless person at all, ever. That's our reason. That's why we're except, uh, against exceptions. Because an unborn child who is conceived in rape, even though the conception happened through this hideously, unspeakably evil act, that child is still a person and still has rights. That's our argument, right? Now, as a secondary issue, as a you know, as another consideration of less importance, yeah, there is. It's really kind of a logistical problem with these exceptions, where it's like when you hear about a well, we'll have an exception for health of the mother. Okay, well, what does that mean? And what you're going to find is so often is that health of the mother it means mental health, physical health, psychological health, spiritual health financial health. I mean, anything could qualify as health. And so then anything is an exception. And then really you haven't done anything to restrict abortion at all. Um, and so it's sort of the issue with uh, something like rape, because then, you know, how, how do you, legally speaking, how do you, with the law, how do you enforce that? How do you know? Um, and it creates all these problems. But as I say, you can almost put that to the side because the real issue is just, it's a person. That's all. Um, from Patrick says, I'm a big fan of yours, Shapiro's and Clavin's. I'm a 27 year old Republican, staunchly pro-life, uh, an NRA member. With that said, I gave your question of what is a woman some thought. And I think I came up with an acceptable leftist definition. I talked about on the show yesterday, how leftists cannot define the word woman. It's a very simple preschool level definition, but they can't provide it because their ideology won't let them. They use the word all the time. They're all into identity politics, but they, they can't say what a woman is. And so I, I put it out there. I challenged any leftist. Give me a definition of woman. Give me a definition. And so this is not a leftist, but he's going to give it a shot. He says, woman, an, an individual who is feminine, whose feminine qualities outweigh their masculine qualities. Although I disagree with this definition personally, I think this could fit into the leftist ideology. Thank you for taking the time to read this message. Look forward to your future shows. The problem there, Patrick, and, I, and I, you, know, you gave it a college try, you, you did your best for the sake of the leftists, and I know they probably appreciate that, but um, the problem, Patrick, is that f- the word feminine is inextricably attached to the wor- word woman, or dependent upon the definition of woman. So the definition of feminine is having qualities or an appearance traditionally associated with women especially delicate delicacy and prettiness. Okay, so that's what feminine is. Having qualities or an appearance traditionally associated with women. Okay, well, then you need to know what woman is. So you can't give me a definition of woman that is, that just kind of ta- just punts the ball back a little bit because then you're still going to get to this issue of, well, what is woman? Okay, feminine is qualities uh, associated with women. Okay, what's a woman? Uh, and that's that's the issue. So, yeah, that doesn't really do it. Now, this is from someone else who I guess is a leftist, and they really are going to take a crack at it, uh, try to define woman. 
It says, you seem to be having difficulty understanding the concept of womanhood. No, I don't have difficulty with it. I, I'm saying that you do. That's my... See, if you're, if you're a liberal, I, I have no problem de, uh, defining woman. A woman is an adult human female. That's a woman. Uh, so I don't have any problem with it. I, I think that you do, unless I'm wrong. So let's see what you come up with. A woman is an adult female, of course. So that, that makes the word female the key term needing of definition. Okay, fair enough. In that case, a female is an individual who identifies with and likely possesses certain qualities which characterize femalehood. These being gentleness, empathy, sensitivity, caring, sweetness, compassion, tolerance, nurturance, deference, and succorance. Although each of these traits individually are not requirements, it is largely a qualifier as a matter of degree and its abundant presence as gender is a status that exists along a spectrum. Hopefully that clears things up. No, no, it does not clear things up at all. Um, not at all. So you, you've actually... Uh, you see, I tried to be go easy on you. I, di I didn't make you define female. Um, I wasn't going to make you do that. But you're, you're going for female. Well, see, the, the problem is female is a biological term. You've just tried to redefine female to be not biological. It is a biological... You may as well try to redefine circle to be something other than a shape. Uh, it's, no, that's not it. Female, you know how I know female is a biological term and not a sociological, sociological term or a term that's dependent on a spectrum? Because there are female cows. There are female turtles. There are female fish and birds and, and, and reptiles. There are females in, in, across the animal kingdom. They all have females too. Now, you would never say, unless you're being, um, unless you're, you know, uh, being not totally serious, you, you wouldn't talk about a woman dog. Um, we may use that term colloquially, but no, woman, again, that's a human. Female, though, that, any, the, all the animals have females. So are you saying that a female cow is um, gentle, is, is one that is gentle, empathetic, sensitive? Caring. That's what a female dog. That's how you define female dog. No, you define a female dog based on their reproductive cap capabilities, which is how you also define a female person. Uh, so that just doesn't that doesn't work. That's the wrong definition of female. It, you're just wrong uh, scientifically. Also, this is not even a definition. You, what you're doing is you're 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 describing some of the characteristics that oftentimes are associated with the thing that needs to be defined. And I agree with you that many times women are gentle, empathetic, and sensitive. But men can be that also. So you're telling me now that what, if a man is gentle, empathetic, and sensitive, he's now a female? Not even just a woman. You're saying he's a female, actually. So it's impossible then for there to be a gentle, empathetic, and sensitive male. So apparently toxic masculinity is correct. I thought, I thought toxic masculinity was the whole idea that a man can never be those things that you listed. And that's supposed to be toxic. That's wrong. But what you're saying is that, no, that's right, because if a guy acts that way, then he's actually a female. And so, hey, guys, if you don't want to be a female, then you better not be gentle, empathetic, sensitive, or caring, or compassionate. It's, it's absurd. Um, if you were, you can't, you can't define something simply by giving me a roundabout description of some of the things associated with it. Uh, like, if I were to ask you to define uh, uh, dog, you couldn't say, oh, well, the definition of dog is something that drinks out of the toilet and chews up your couch. Now, it's true that a lot of dogs do that. My dog does that, sadly. Uh, but that doesn't, that's not what makes him a dog. That's not the definition of dog. 
And there are other things that drink out of toilets and chew on couches. There are other animals that would probably behave that way if you gave them the opportunity. There may even be people who would do that. Does that make them dogs? No. That's not a definition. So here's the problem with your definition. It's not a definition. It's scientifically wrong. Um, and it also completely destroys all of the efforts that I assume you align with to get rid of the traditional definitions of masculinity and femininity. See, that, that's what I'm saying. Masculine and feminine. Now, those are words that do exist on, if you want to say, somewhat of a spectrum. Uh, those are terms that, that, um, that can be sort of, that do change a little bit with the time and with the culture. So, for instance, in some cultures, it's considered masculine um, for a man to wear, you know, a robe or a dress uh, or a kilt, right? It's, uh, clothing like that is considered masculine in certain cultures. In our culture, it's not. So that is culturally based, masculine, feminine. And, and every person has some masculine traits and some feminine traits. Some people have more feminine than masculine, more masculine than feminine. So that's true. But that's, that's, that is not uh, the same as a word like woman or a word like female, which are not culturally based, which are scientifically based, um, and which are not dependent on our perceptions or our impressions or our value systems. It just is what it is. And those are also words, male, female, woman, man, that do not exist on a spectrum. There is no spectrum. There is woman, there is man, there is nothing in between. Not doesn't exist. There are people with deformities, mutations, sicknesses um, that cause them to have, you know, a very small percentage of malformed genitalia, more ambiguous genitalia, but that, that is not this that, that that does not make a spectrum. And as I have pointed out before, um, there is not in existence and never will be in existence and over, never has been in existence somebody who possesses the reproductive capabilities of both genders. And it seems to me that in order to have a spectrum, you would need that missing link. You would need that, right? You go from male, 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 female, female, female on the spectrum. Well, then right in between there, you would need someone who's both. Just like on a color spectrum, you've got you know your primary color, your primary color, and they blend into the secondary color. Well, then where are the secondary colored uh, people when it comes to sex? They don't exist. Talking about someone with ambiguous genitalia or malformed genitalia, that is not, um, uh, that is not both. Both would be someone who has, who has the, the functioning reproductive systems of both genders. That doesn't exist because it's, it, is, it, is a, 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 uh, it is not a spectrum. Um, it is a binary system. So, but thank you for the attempt, uh, although you failed. All right, we'll leave it there, everybody. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Godspeed. Hey, everyone. I'm Alicia Krauss, and we just wrapped a really great episode of this month's conversation with our very own Michael Knowles. You want to tell everybody some of the things that we talked about? I think we might have had one or two questions about abortion. I think maybe that because it's the biggest news story in the whole country. Came up. That came up. We talked about what it means for the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. We talked about 2020 Democrats. We talked about faith and Christianity. And most importantly of all, we talked about cigars and whiskey.
Important topics. Much more important than anything else. So head on over to dailywire.com, also available on all of our social media platforms, and including the Michael Knowles page over on iTunes. That's right. Check it out.